Tragedy is an odd thing. Everyone handles it differently. People love to say, if this happened, I'd do this, I'd do that, etc. But I can guarantee that unless someone has been through tragedy, they don't know. Not truly. So when my best friend Ricky passed away from a mugging gone south, despite always being a go-getter who liked to believe I could get through anything, I found myself in my room, moping every day away. The culprit is yet to be caught, which only makes things worse. Ricky deserved better than getting stabbed in the alley behind our complex. He had a promising future in computer tech. It would never bring harm to anyone in his path. February 8th is a date forever etched into my mind. Sure, there'd come a day where I'd have to leave the apartment we shared, but I wasn't ready for that yet. We were best friends, basically since we could walk. He was always a smart guy. I could ask him for advice on anything, and he'd have the words. I had no clue how I'd carry on, knowing I no longer had him around. I know that sounds selfish. I was lucky to have a comfortable job that allowed me a two-week paid leave to regain my bearings. I'm 20, by the way. Outside of work and home, I really didn't have much going on in life. All of this is to say that my world crashed when all of this unfolded. Now, on to why I'm writing this. The first week after his passing, I didn't notice much. With the recent events, I now realize how much I overlooked as a tired imagination. It started with the scratching on the walls. We lived in an apartment. This wouldn't be strange or uncommon. What made it strange was the fact the scratching noise mostly came from the wall between mine and Ricky's room. I'll give a brief layout of the apartment for the sake of its importance. It was a second-story apartment in a five-story building. It was on the far end of the hall, with eight other apartments on the floor. This meant it was a corner apartment. Upon entering, you would be in the living room, which was joined by the kitchen to the left in an open floor plan. On the side of the kitchen was a hallway with a bathroom to the left and our rooms to the right. Mine first, his second. Laundry was shared by everyone on the floor in a room all the way on the other side of the building. Simple enough, right? The scratching couldn't come from another apartment because my room didn't border any. This alone wouldn't raise suspicion in me. I'd have to be crazy to assume it was a ghost or anything of that nature, figuring it was either my imagination or the heater. I didn't think much of it. Each night for that first week, the scratching became more constant. By that seventh night, it took everything I had in me to fall asleep. I'm sure you all know how much harder trying to fall asleep makes falling asleep. This is where things took a major turn. I woke up, or at least I thought I did. I couldn't move my body, but my eyes were wide open. It felt like the room was shaking, and the sound of static filled my ears. At this moment, I didn't know what I was experiencing. Trying to break free, my gaze shifted to my right. What I saw shook me to my very core. There was a creature. It was completely fizzed out, like a humanoid made out of static. The sound I was hearing seemed to be radiating from this being. This thing was scratching something into the wall. There were words everywhere. I didn't have much time to analyze, but there were words like trapped, help, where, and so much more. It littered the wall. 
It seemed he was writing a main phrase in a giant open spot in the middle. I was trapped while he etched the word, not, into the wall. Then I snapped out of it. Panic flooded me, and I leaped out of bed to find the sun already beaming through my window. The night was over, and with the idea of falling back asleep out of question, I made some breakfast and dusted off my old laptop to do some research. Surely there was a logical explanation for all of this. Of course there was. It didn't take long to come across a Wikipedia page for sleep paralysis. From what I gathered, it is exactly what I experienced, and is commonly brought on by high levels of stress. Okay, I'm not crazy. The heater is causing the scratching noise, and my sleep paralysis episode was just my brain forming these events into a nightmare. Out of sight, out of mind. I had my answer, and that was good enough. I closed the laptop, and with the plan of doing anything to keep my mind off things, I watched Netflix the whole day. Mostly comedies and things of the like. I'm usually a horror fan, but I felt that wouldn't be the best idea. I laid down around 10 p.m., and sleep took me rather quickly. Once again, I was brought into sleep paralysis. Same scenario, same everything. The humanoid was writing on the wall, and I watched as he wrote the word, what, to follow up his previous message of, not. Despite my terror, I tried to read more of what was on the wall. Words like, Ricky, damned, astral, and various other words are what I recall. I snapped out of it once the creature finished his new addition. I awoke, and flipped out of bed from the resistance I was trying to gain from staring any longer. Same thing as yesterday. 7 a.m., sun shining, everything was so similar, it felt like Groundhog Day or something. Great. Second night in a row. I'm already dealing with enough of my mind picks now to come unhinged. They say when it rains it pours. The saying couldn't be any more true. I didn't want to entertain the insanity I was clearly delving into. But what else did I have to eat my day away? I grabbed out my laptop once more. Astral was the only word I didn't recognize. A simple Google search told me some interesting information. Astral is, and I quote, relating to a supposed non-physical realm of existence to which various psychic and paranormal phenomena are ascribed, and in which the physical human body is said to have a counterpart. This was... something. How is it that a word I had never heard of fits so closely with the description of my experience? Maybe I could have heard the word before, and this was all my mind playing some crazy tricks from my subconscious. But this was crazy. Also, what does it mean by counterpart? I dug deeper. I read up on the astral realm for the whole day, how to gain access. I left no stones unturned. I was drawn in. Sleep paralysis is said to be a gateway to this realm. If I could stay calm and try to separate my soul from my physical being, I might be able to get answers from this demon. It had to be a demon. This was all making too much sense in my crazed mind. The gears were turning. Up until this point, I wasn't sure if this creature had ill intent. Maybe it was trying to warn me. A strong maybe. But with how my life is going right now, it was a risk I was willing to take. I went to bed at 10 p.m. again. It didn't take long to be in sleep paralysis with the same scenario playing out for the third time. 
It was etching a line going straight down when my vision gained focus. I remembered the steps. I calmed myself, tried lifting myself from my center. It seemed to be working, until I heard a noise. It was like the demon was surprised. It let out a shriek, high-pitched, almost like it was... excited? This made me lose focus, and brought me back to square one. It continued writing, and made the word, it. And I awoke to, well, you get it by now. Damn it, I was so close. Once the adrenaline wore off, it hit me like a ton of bricks. This was for real. Something was happening here, and I wasn't crazy. Is it wrong to say I felt some relief? This was going to take some critical thinking. What if I fell asleep on the couch and attempted astral projection from there? This time I laid down and fell asleep around 9pm. I awoke once again in sleep paralysis. Scanning my surroundings, the demon wasn't present, and neither was the static. I used the tactics I had read about and had nearly no problem exiting my body. This was unreal, almost like it was meant to happen. I crept towards my room. Standing outside the door, I heard frantic scratching. I knew what was on the other side. I went to open the door, but my hand went right through. I walked through it. The demon turned towards me and put his arms up. Imagine making the C in YMCA. He wanted me to read the wall. The word was seems. Not what it seems? I read out loud. Nothing is. The demon spoke. This wasn't something I expected. What does that mean? I asked. It means exactly what it reads. Nothing is what it seems. Your world? It's shaped by things most will never see. The demon said. I didn't know how to respond. Part of me wondered if this was all a nightmare. Surely a demon would never present itself to me like this. The demon spoke again. You have a choice. I have been assigned to you. If I die, I return to hell and later get assigned to someone else. Your negative energy has fed me sufficiently, but my kind ache for more. You can kill me, and I will leave. If you don't, I will haunt you forever. But understand, if you let me stay, I can work miracles. I will grant you one miracle of my choosing. We could be a team, but this decision is yours. Just remember, it is not what it seems. What do you mean by haunt me? I asked. No fun in ruining the surprise. All you have to do is place your hand in my chest and pull out my heart, and I will be gone, he said. I inched closer to him. What will happen? I asked. But he was done speaking. I didn't want to be haunted for life by this thing. Who knows how he'd torture me. I placed my hand in his chest. The grin on his face widened. I gripped the only solid mass I could find and pulled. I awoke to police sirens. Glancing out my window, I realized they were coming from the back alley. I ran outside to see what was going on. Ricky's body was surrounded by detectives. Date of death, 7 a.m., February 8th, one of them spoke. This couldn't be happening. Did I travel back in time? I pulled out my phone and confirmed. It was February 8th. I cried the same way I did nearly two weeks ago, spoke to the officers on scene, and went back to my apartment after the countless questions. You see, I believe we all have demons. And if you kill yours, you'll have to live with yourself. Ricky was always a good friend. So close that an entity would use him to get to me. 
The demon had to have assumed I'd take his offer of a miracle. I didn't, and now my best friend is still dead. The deal the demon presented was rotten from the beginning. Not what it seems. Demons are tricky. He found a way into my head and played his games. There are many things I still don't understand, but the one that eats at me every night is... Who won? Did I fall right into his hands? Perhaps when I destroyed the demon, I took something physical with it. What makes me think that, you ask? What would you think if you found a bloody knife in your kitchen sink? Stories of skinwalkers, Bigfoot, and many other mythical beings seem to be a hot topic when it comes to scary stories. There seems to be tales to share, no matter where in the United States you reside in. I live in northern Minnesota. Although we have some myths such as the Iceman, the Mystery Monster, and even Wendigos, I've always chalked these up to nothing more than stories. I mean, why would I believe otherwise? I didn't even believe in ghosts. I thought it was all a bunch of mumbo-jumbo made up to keep people on their toes. Perhaps just ancient tales to keep people from trespassing or making bad decisions, such as camping alone. I've always lived a rather careful and isolated lifestyle anyway. So what stock did I really have to put into any of these tales? The story that I'm about to tell you is going to sound crazy. I'm going to try and explain it to the best of my recollection, even though adrenaline leaves more minor details in a bit of a haze. You see, I'm having a hard time digesting that something like what I encountered exists, because this leaves all other possibilities on the table. Skinwalkers, Bigfoot, everything. They may be real as well, and that thought terrifies me. As I said, I live a very isolated life. This means I don't even know my own back roads very well, if at all. So when the main road was closed whilst I went to pick up my brother from the bar in the city 20 miles away, I silently chewed myself out for not bringing a GPS. I do, however, have a great general sense of direction, and figured if I just headed south and went back a little to the west, roughly 20 miles in, I could figure it out. I won't bore you with the directions. The important part is, as I mentioned, I would have to take foreign back roads. Let me start from the beginning of the night and tell you some more about myself to add some more context. I was a 19-year-old shut-in. I spent most of my nights playing video games and feeding my caffeine cravings. I did have a part-time job working at a farm a few miles down the road. The pay wasn't great, but it did pay for new games when I wanted one, and other miscellaneous things. I was in that in-between spot in life where I knew I was an adult, but trying to find out what I wanted to do with my life was a daunting mystery. My skill sets were and are far and few between, and living in the middle of nowhere, opportunities were at a minimum. One late June night, I was up playing video games as I normally do. I think the game was Destiny, though it doesn't matter. It was roughly 12.30am when I got a text from my brother asking me to come pick him up from the bar. Keep in mind, the bars close at 1am. He informed me he had no other ride and I was his only option. It was just like him to pin something like this on me last minute. I wanted to chew him out for going out drinking all the time, but I felt it wouldn't help the situation currently at hand. Instead, I told him I'd be there ASAP and to not venture off. 
He has ventured off in the past, leaving me to look for him on the streets, since he's awful at replying to texts. I slam the rest of my can of Mountain Dew, grab the keys to my crappy 2002 Corolla, and headed out right away. About a mile in is where I made the realization that the main road was closed, so I took a second to think, threw on my blinker, and took the gravel road closest to it. If memory served me right, I thought I remembered this being a straight shot, with maybe one turn at the end. Not a big deal, right? Of course not. If I made it in time, it really doesn't matter what route I take. A couple miles into the road, I was starting to really like the scene of my environment. The area I live in is fairly forested, but the trees here just seemed denser somehow. The road was as dark as it could possibly get, and it made me feel like I was in a horror movie. Which brings me to where things started getting strange. About ten miles down the road, I started swearing the shadows weren't coordinating with my headlights properly. It's tough to explain, but it's like they were going outwards up top and inwards on the ground in front. Now, I'm no expert when it comes to how shadows should react, but it was one of those gut feelings that something about this wasn't right. Before I knew it, I came to the end of the road. There was a T-section, and I promptly took a right. One mile down that road, it brought me directly into the city. Simple enough. I had a moment of self-celebration, as I was proud of myself for figuring it out first try. I knew the city fairly well. Well, I say city, but it really only has a population of 15,000 people. Around here, though, that is a city. I got to the bar and found my brother just coming out with a few of his buddies. Perfect timing as well. I pulled in, hitting the curb as I did so, making it sound like my car was going to fall into pieces. It grabbed the attention of my brother and his friends, and they all started laughing as my brother waved them goodbye and made a light jog to my car. He hopped in, I backed out, and we were back on our way to the secluded road. We made some conversation as I drove with my window halfway down, as to not get a contact drunk. Believe me, I've seen my brother drunk many times, but him going all out tonight was quite apparent. It wasn't long before I came across the T-section again and took a left. My brother made a joke about me having to not take the main road and how this is probably the first time I've seen a new road in years. I would have made a joke back, but I knew he was right. A couple miles in, I start noticing the shadows again. Brushing it off as nothing was my plan, but then my brother spoke up. Does something seem off to you? He said. I was a bit taken aback, wondering if he was noticing the same thing I was. I responded with, What do you mean? He sat up a bit, surveying the shadows above us as he leaned forward. Maybe I've had too much to drink. At this point, my curiosity was piqued. No, come on. What's on your mind, bro? I, I don't know. These shadows just seem off to me. My suspicion was correct. It couldn't be a coincidence that we both noticed the same thing. He started shuffling around, looking more and more uneasy. We should turn around, he said. This was an odd request. I mean, I'm sure there are many other routes we could take. At this point, though, we were about five miles into the stretch. It seems like a waste of time to do so. Odd shadows can't hurt us, right? He started to open his mouth again when his eyes widened and he yelled stop. I didn't hesitate. I hit the brakes as hard as I could without losing control. What, what happened? I asked. There's something in front of us, 
I looked ahead and couldn't see anything past the gravel cloud. We sat and waited for it to clear, my heart beating faster and faster with each passing second. Just as it seemed as though it would totally dissipate, something happened that I will forever have nightmares about. A face, about two feet long and a foot wide, slammed into the windshield with so much force it caused the windshield to start to crack. The face seemed to be made of shadows, as if it jumped off the ground and formed before us. There was no hesitation between me seeing this and shoving the shift into reverse and punching the gas. As we were backing up at speeds too fast to truly control, the shadow started seeping in through the cracks. We were both panicking as my brother took off his shirt and began pushing it against the cracks. How he made this quick decision whilst being wasted still puzzles me. But maybe the adrenaline made him sober up fast. I started to slow down so I could, as safely as possible, turn around. I whipped the wheel to the left and threw the car into a 90-degree angle, kicking up more gravel clouds as I did so. I went to shove the shift into drive when I realized my car had stalled out. Turning the key over and over again, I was looking around for where this creature was. Then I saw it, through my open window, about ten feet away, inching closer and closer, with a grin that told me it knew it had us trapped. I took my hand off the key to reach for my window scroll to close it. Say what you will about this cheap design, but if I hadn't had it in that moment, I may not be typing this out right now. The creature noticing that the window was going up moved with much more haste, closing a split second before the creature got to it. This seemed to anger it. It began screaming in a high-pitched wail that deafened me for a few seconds. Whilst all of this was happening, my brother had the mental capacity to keep trying to start the car. Noticing it was still in drive, I pushed it into park. He turned it one more time, and the car started. Putting it back into drive, I took off once again, in the opposite direction. We drove at speeds way too fast as we heard the stomping of this beast trying to keep up. It wasn't long before we reached the T-section again, and I took a right turn going as fast as I felt I could control. Knowing we were out of the woods, yet I stayed on it, until we reached the city once more. Finally, hopefully, in safe territory. We parked on the main street to catch our breath. My brother apologized profusely for making me come to get him. It wasn't his fault. How could either of us have known something like this could happen? How could anybody? Luckily, there were many more routes to take back home, and he knew them all. We took the one with the least amount of trees and made it home safe and sound. It's been a couple years since then. My brother and I don't talk about it, but we always advise people to stay off that road any time it is mentioned. He's quit drinking, actually. I don't think he's had a sip since that night. I'm still a shut-in, but I do now own my own apartment in the aforementioned city. I work an office job there, and though it's nothing special, it works for me. It works for now. That night left many scars on me. Every time I see a shadow, I wonder if it has come back for me. I've come to the conclusion that as long as I stay off that road, I should be safe. There have been a few disappearances in the area over the last year or so, and I think it is directly linked. As for Wendigos and other things of the like, I now believe they could be out there. I still don't know what the creature was. A demon? 
A super-powered shadow person? Perhaps something else? It's tough to say. All I know is it doesn't hurt to keep your guard up. Most importantly, it doesn't hurt to stay off less-traveled roads. What bothers me more than anything is not knowing if the shadows in the corner of my room at night are just shadows, or perhaps something more malevolent, waiting for its opportunity to strike once again.